0: Uh, well, let's get let's get into the Bible a little bit. Uh, let's look at First Peter uh, chapter one verse thirteen to twenty three. Uh, as we talked about, I think two weeks ago, uh, we're going to take a break from Romans. Romans is probably a little bit too complicated to handle over Zoom, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll jump over the First Peter here. We'll look at First Peter over the next couple of weeks. And First Peter is a great letter because it is uh, almost, it's very similar to James in that it's heavy uh, practical uh, application. Uh, and a lot of people think even First Peter it was a letter written to new Christians, uh, kind of getting them the, the basics, reminding them of the basics, and so that, that's a great thing for us to do. And so, so we'll read here, First uh, Peter one, as you can see there, uh, starting in verse thirteen, and all the way into chapter two, verse three. So if you've got a Bible, or I'm sure someone will copy and paste it into the chat there uh, as well, you can read along with us. Uh, so First Peter one, starting there in verse thirteen. Did you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in his last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God for all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Awesome, awesome passage, some great concepts in there. Let, let's have a prayer, and then we'll look at a, a few points here from it. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you. We, we thank you for, for just the ability, you know, as Jim talked about, to, to gather together, you know, electronically, Father. Uh, we know that that's a, that's a privilege we have, you know, in, in the first world. And uh, we do pray for all of our brothers and sisters around the world, especially those in the third world uh, who, who don't have access to that kind of uh, ability. God, we pray you look after them. You protect them and you shield them, Father. We we pray you be with us here now, uh, as we look at this text, as we as we contemplate holiness and, and what that means in our life and, and how we can uh, become a people that are holy in your sight, Father. We pray you help us, God. We pray you help our, our minds, our hearts, uh, our guts, a, every part of our body uh, to to really pursue it in a way that it is uh, you know. Fitting to, to the great sacrifice you've made to, to bring us into your family, God. Uh, may your Spirit move among us, God. Uh, may we all feel the, the the reality of of that we are gathered in your name, uh, though separate we are. We are here together, and that you are in our midst as well, Father. Be with us, uh, and we thank you, and we ask in Christ's name, Amen. As you can as you can see from this text, obviously holiness is a, is a big uh, it's a big theme, right? There's a lot of uh, you know, think, think you know, verses fourteen, fifteen and sixteen, seventeen, twenty-two, even chapter two, verse one, all driving at this idea of, of be holy, right? And and Peter, you know, phrases it uh, in many different capacities. As you can see in one fourteen, he, he tells us, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, and that's a cool it's kind of a cool concept concept. Jack and I were talking on the phone yesterday. Uh, you know, about the the reality is a lot of our world chooses the path of ignorance. They they don't want to know about God. They don't want to think about God uh, because there's implications. If you begin to think about these things uh, and and begin to think about, you know, your life apart from God, and it's a pretty bleak outlook and it's a, and it's a dark rabbit hole that a lot of people don't want to go down. So they choose ignorance. But the foolish thing about ignorance is, is that just as, as, as Peter says here, that when we choose ignorance we, we just end up being conformed and the word he uses there is is we just end up being shaped and molded by external forces one, one of the great quotes I, I love and i use it a lot is, is that by c.s lewis and, and the idea that we have a choice in life that we can be either conscious participants or unconscious victims but there are forces that play on our lives and, and, and you know, those forces are, are you know, they're, they're, they're wide and varied from media to movies, to music, to your friends, uh, to to your family, your workplace. I mean, it's, it's really, it is an endless list of these things that, that, that push on us and try to, as Peter says here, shape you. And, and the path of ignorance is so foolish because it's almost as if you're saying, look, I don't even want to know, you know, but, but, but you don't realize then what's impacting you. You don't. You're not thinking about what is influencing you, uh, and C.S. Lewis's quote is so great for that because it, it basically shows us you have a choice. Everyone's being influenced. Ignorance as bliss really is is uh, a fallacy. It's not true. It's a fairy tale belief, uh, you know. And, and, and you have a choice whether you're going to be a victim of that or you're a participant of that. Uh, and, and here he, he encourages us. Look as as obedient children, meaning part of God's household you're naturally going to be influenced by God. Uh, allow that process to take place. Don't, don't just let the world passively uh, you know, and actively at times shape you. Rather, be different because you are part of God's family. Uh, in the one 16, we'll touch on that one in a second. We'll leave it for now, but we'll come back. You know, but same concept, even there in, in chapter 1, verse 17. The idea that we are meant to be foreigners in this world, we're, we're tourists. So the way we operate, the choices we make, the knowledge we have of, of local uh, values and practices is meant to be different because this is a foreign land to us. You know, I loved, uh, as a young Christian, about a year or two years into being a Christian, I loved the, the, <laughs> the first time, uh, I remember hearing the guys on the soccer team I was playing with uh, make inappropriate jokes and i didn't know what they were talking about their language their their worldview was becoming beginning to be foreign to me because I was so immersed in the Bible so immersed in god's people uh, that there really was this beginning of separation they're foreigners and their language you know what I don't even understand anymore Right? That was a great, great thing. Uh, but that happened, you know, and again, the Bible is urging us. Peter's urging us that that's how we're meant, to, we're meant to all live, as foreigners, right? Uh, the idea of purifying yourself, you know, flushing from your life uh, the impurities that corrupt that which is God, that, that God is making holy. Even chapter 2, verse 1, ridding ourselves of these things, getting things out of our heart and out of our life uh, that are not proper and, and, and don't honor God. Uh, and all these things are, are driving home this same same concept. Now, I think the the, the cool thing I like about this text is the, the obedient children concept, the living as foreigners concept, the purification concept, and the ridding ourselves of things concept. All have to do with with morality, and we we all grasp that, and we get that concept of, of holiness equals different set of moral moral uh, virtues that that we hold to, but. Peter here quotes from Leviticus there in verses 15 to 16, right? Uh, He's quoting from Leviticus when he talks about, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, that's kind of an interesting thing because if you actually read Leviticus, if you're looking for a super dry, quiet time to to have, hop hop into Leviticus, okay? And and you begin to read Leviticus. And Leviticus has heaps to say, about holiness, but it's funny because it's holiness of a table, of a cup. Right? He's talking about the writer, you know, Moses as he's writing this. He's giving the Israelites all these instructions about about as they make the tabernacle, uh, the tent of meeting, that that all these normal household items are gonna now be in the temple, in the tabernacle, and 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 they're gonna be used to worship God. And so they are holy. They are set apart. You had a candelabra in your house. Well, there's also one in the temple. The one in your house uh, is is for your normal domestic use. The one in the temple is is holy. It's set apart. It's meant to be used exclusively for God. Now, Peter is saying here, and he's taking that concept of of day-to-day, normal items are now in the tabernacle, and so they are meant to be holy used for God. And he said, Hey, that's you guys. That's you. You, you are uh, now set apart in, in your entire life to be used by God. Help people to see God and to understand God, you know, and, uh, and again, it's way wider than, than purely, uh, you know, don't, don't watch inappropriate things on TV or, or don't, you know, slander people. Holiness, as Peter is saying here, is, is all encompassing in, in our life. It's way, way bigger and way deeper and way wider than, than we often ascribe to it. You know, I get in trouble, you know, similar principle here. I get in trouble with Michelle for this all the time, right? If I'm doing some some, some project in, in my shed, you know, destroying whatever item I'm trying to build, you know, I'll take like her, her vacuum from the house and I'll use it in the shed to, to vacuum up sawdust. And she'll just be, she'll be livid with me about it. You know, it's about, you know, Matt's telling me that's a dumb idea. It is a dumb idea, but I keep doing it. And, and every time Sam Percy comes over to help with whatever project I'm failing at, you know, we, he always jokes with me about using Michelle's vacuum for, for whatever project, right? Because the vacuum is holy. It is set apart for household, inside household use only, not outside right? Uh, you know, the other thing I do a lot of times is is, is I, I try to grow pineapples. Uh, and so I take pineapple tops, cut them, and I take our, our glasses that we're supposed to be drinking out of. And I put the pineapple top in the glass uh, until it puts out roots. And then I plant it in the garden. And then five years from now, I'll get a single pineapple for all that effort, right? But then Michelle, of course, gets irritated because she looks at the, the, the windowsill and, and what's there, all of her glasses Full of pineapples for, for who knows how long, right? Uh, you know, but but the glasses are holy. They are meant to be for drinking, not for pineapple growing. Right? And it's just, you know, try to try to wrap your mind around that. That's what Peter's talking about when he says, Hey, you 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 are meant to be holy. God has chosen you, God has 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 taken your life and and he has set you apart for a different usage, right? This is not just some moral, you know list of moral virtues this is way bigger than that way wider than that and we gotta we gotta learn to see holiness in that way uh, as a bigger 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 concept and then uh, and so that's the overarching point of, of of our text here is be holy right and we gotta understand that we live in a world that hates this concept I mean, this concept that there are there is sin there are things you need to get out of your life Uh, And you need to be different. And we live in a world that pushes back against that. We can't allow that to creep into our hearts. We've got to be a people who pursue it. But it's not always that easy, right? And and thankfully here, as I said, Peter is super practical. practical, And he gives us, uh, you know, three things here. If you want to see it as a holistic approach to holiness, uh, you know, he talks about our mind And how we have to have the correct mindset in order to pursue, uh, you know, holiness. He talks about the heart, the right attitude, the, the right relation to God uh, that helps us. And then, and then thirdly there, the stomach. And so let, let's look at these things really quick here, these three ideas, uh, so we can have a holistic approach to holiness. Amen. The first one is one of the few times in the Bible where I really, really love the King James Version, right? Uh, there in verse 13, if you've got a King James Version, you know, go grab it and have a chuckle. Uh, if not, just look on the screen, right? Right. Uh, Paul or Peter so, so, says there, uh, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope uh, to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I, I love that. Gird up the loins of your mind. There is a great website, you know, for the, for the guys, I many girls, you can get on as well. But uh, it's called The Art of Manliness. And it's a great website. It has every topic covered, right? Uh, but it has an illustration on there on how to gird up your loins. Because back in the day, uh, it wasn't just the, the women who wore kind of long, flowing robes. Uh, it was everyone. And, and, you know, ironically, we're back in the same thing. as guys just pretty much go to work in, in their robes now as they work from home. Uh, you know, but, but here he's talking about, you know, if, if, you know, back in the day, you had this long, flowing robe and, and you want to run, that's not easy because you basically have a, 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 an ankle-high skirt on. And so there's some great instructions next time you find yourself uh, wearing a long flowing dress and you need to um, you know get get ready to go for a run or go do some yard work. There's how to gird up the 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 your loins so you can get that that task completed. Peter says that's what you need to do with your mind. Our minds are 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 everywhere, uh, are flowing, are relaxed, and are comfortable, but we need to gird them up. We need to get them ready for. Action. All right. And this is an interesting interesting thing, right? Uh we, we hear so many lessons. We have Sunday sermons, we have devotionals, uh, we have small group discussions, we we, we open our Bibles, we read it ourselves. Uh, and a lot of times it's it's information that comes in and, and floods our mind, and it's great, and you know. We, we we feel inspired, uh, we feel moved, we, we, we like it, we memorize it, uh, we maybe research it more, dig deeper in it. But all of that is great, but Peter is pushing it one step further here. Because the girding up your mind and even the soberness that we're going to talk about in a second is all about action. And I encourage you to to, to begin to... You know, push yourself more in, in terms of your own Bible reading, or, 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 you know, passively, you know, kind of consuming a lesson as you're doing now. Is you've got to think about the practical implications, day in and day out, of the principles you're digging into and learning about. Because if you're just taking it in your mind, yes, that's great, yes, that's awesome, but it needs to always transfer into action in your life. We, we, we often will default do this with somebody else's life. We'll hear a sermon uh, or a lesson and we'll think, man, that'd be really good for, I hope Matt is paying attention. I hope Matt is taking notes because man, that point has great application in Matt's life. You know, as an example, not it would be Matt. He's just one of the five people I can see uh, other than someone's closet that, that's in there on the screen. Right. But, but our, our minds are very quick to often think through the implications and the direct application to someone else's life for that text. But Peter's saying, hey, you got to make sure that is going into your life day in and day out. Practically, how does that have implications for, for how you're living? Right. We got to have minds that, that are girded up and ready for action. Also with the minds, he says there verse 13 to be sober, Right. Uh, it's you know it's a phrase. Be sober. That that's found only five times in the New Testament. Peter uses it three times in in this letter alone, right? He uses it here in, in one thirteen. Uh, he uses it in chapter four verse seven. And in chapter four verse seven, it's the end of all things is near. So be sober in, in your mind. And you think about that idea. If you. It, You think about that moment, right? We sing a song about it, the the sky being rolled back like a scroll, the second coming of Christ, the end of all things is near. I mean, you think about how your mind is going to be in that moment. You're going to have a clarity about everything in, in your life and about God in an instant. And Peter's saying, hey, look, the end of all things is near. Be sober." Be balanced in your thinking have the, have the full perspective. Have that light bulb moment. Uh, I love, you know, we Jono and I have been studying the Bible with Jiho on uh, using Zoom, and it's actually been really great because, you know, if you chat with Jiho, his English is, he's learning English, okay? And so we use Google Translate, we screen share, uh, and basically I type as I as I speak. And oftentimes we'll we'll say something, and Jiho will just kind of look at us blank faced. Uh, and then we'll type it, and Google will translate it into Korean, and you hear Jiho go, hmm. That's sober-mindedness. That light bulb moment goes off for him, and he sees it. Right? The other time in this letter that Peter uses, that, 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 that call, that charge to be sober in your mind, is chapter 5, verse 8, which is a passage a lot of us probably know by heart. Uh, the idea that your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to to devour. In view of that, Peter says right before that, "Be sober. <laughs> be sober." I mean, you think about that. If you're if you're out, you know, and some of you have probably been to to Kruger National Park and, and you see wild lions right there, uh, you, your your mind would be hyper vigilant. You would be sober. You wouldn't be mucking around, uh, making jokes. Uh, laughing, you know, you you wouldn't, you know, there's a ferocious beast there that could really rip you to shreds very quickly. And so there's a soberness about your mind, this balanced uh, you know, outlook on life. And, and that's what Peter's talking about here. You got to have a girded up loins of your mind, but you also need to be sober and you need to be balanced. Now this is kind of cool as well, because this is Peter saying this. And you read the gospels, Peter and soberness, balanced, non-reactive, uh, are not two things you would think would go together. Peter's the opposite in the Gospels. Uh, he, he's rash. Uh, he speaks before he thinks. Uh, he sometimes seems like, you know, Peter, are you intoxicated? Because your thinking is seriously off. Uh, you're, you're, you're arguing with Jesus uh, and, and telling Jesus what to do rather than listening to what Jesus is telling you, right? It, Peter doesn't seem to exemplify soberness, but maybe that's the reality. Maybe Peter had lived his life unbalanced, unhinged, spur the moment, speaking before he thinks, chopping off the ear before he thinks of of, of the servant guy uh, there there at at, at the arrest of Jesus in the garden. He was captain impulsive for for much of his life. But maybe here later on, as he writes this letter to the church, he's a changed man. And he realizes the importance of having this sober, non-reactive, self-controlled, let me think about this instead of just react. Right. Some of you may be wondering, what the heck does all that have to do with a chariot with a black horse and a white horse? Right. There's a a great ancient writing uh, by Plato, and and he writes an allegory about about the chariot. And you can also find this on the Art of Manliness, which Cameron already texted me about. Did you get that image from that? I did, right? Uh, You know, but I didn't actually, you know, I I knew about the allegory of of the chariot by Plato from a different book. Uh, This book I've been reading on uh, deep survival. And it's a cool book to read. Not not a Christian book, uh, but he in that book also talks about that that historically uh, mankind perhaps has had a better idea of this relationship between our emotions and our minds, right? Uh, you know, in the allegory of the chariot here, you know, Plato understood that that emotions and he represents the emotions, the the, the positive and the negative, if you will, by the black and the white horse. Uh, they are necessary, your emotions, your feelings, your, your, your base impulses. Uh, these are great things, uh, but if you don't have old logic, the chariot rider, if you don't have reason, they're harnessing and directing. If you just let the horses go, if you just let your emotions run, you're, you're not going to end up anywhere good. You're going to end up in tremendous danger. right? You can't just let them go. They have to be harnessed and they have to be directed. But, but the same thing works the opposite direction right that, that you can't uh, just you know be, be a man of reason and have no drive have no emotional push uh, because that's power and it's and it's effective right uh, and so that you know hit Plato's point and I think it's I think it's very similar to Peter's point here uh, of, of look we got to have this harmony within us of emotions and, and our intellect we need both, right? Uh, we 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 we've got to not just allow, you know, the emotions to run full throttle because that's dangerous. But for sure, when we're thinking about pursuing holiness, you say, saying, look, you you gotta you gotta gird up your loins of your mind, right? Now, what's going to drive that action? A lot of times is the emotions. But but if it's not balanced by this soberness, it, it can be incredibly dangerous. so, if you want to pursue holiness you got to have the, this great balance in, within you of the mind and the emotions, uh, you know, in, 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 in your mind. Right. Secondly, and a little bit quicker, I promise here, as you think about a holistic approach to holiness, having your mind in the, in the right place is important. But you also got to have your heart. And here are two pictures, you know, from, from my kids. Uh, And, you know, as you can see, Maddie there has has she was a little chunk back then, uh, you know, and she's done some amazing artwork on our uh, on our wall of our rental property, which every parent loves to see that. Right. Uh, You know, you know, a a two year old uh, having a Sharpie and drawing on walls. Right. Ali didn't draw on walls. She drew on her face, uh, you know, and it's an interesting thing. And you may think, "What, what does this have to do with the text? Right. Well. Look here at verse at verse 17, right? And even what we talked about earlier, verse 14, Peter has this image of obedient children. But verse 17 pairs two very interesting concepts. Verse 17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And so he's saying, look, one of the things that can help you pursue holiness is that idea of there is a judge and and that judge is impartial right Uh, and the idea that there is accountability is is an important step towards us living different lives in the world around us it's it's one of the first things that in the beginning in, in the garden satan tries to undermine the idea of accountability uh the the idea of consequences for your actions right you know, he's having Satan there in the garden. Genesis 3 is having a discussion with Adam and Eve. And one of the first lies that Satan utters is, you're not going to die. There's not going to be consequences. Right? And here, as Peter is talking to us about holiness, he's telling us, look, you, you should think about it. You, you should feel in your heart and understand, man, there is a judge. Right? And there's a judge that, you know, he's going to judge each person's work impartially. Right? And, and." and the idea of facing a judge naturally does produce fear, but in some sense, Peter is balancing that fear by by telling us, but you know what? You should know that that, that judge that you're going to face, he's your father. And so it changes how you see it, right? Because a, a child uh, with, with their father knows that there is accountability, right? You know, you can see that on Maddie and Allie's face in those pictures, right? They know. They know they're in trouble, right? They know there's going to be correction. But because it's their father taking a picture of them and laughing at them, right? Or perhaps their mother, right? They know that the the judgment that they're going to face is not about their destruction. It's about their growth. It's not about just punishment for punishment's sake. It's about punishment that produces a change of behavior. Hebrews 12 has the same concept, right? No discipline is pleasant, right? It's painful, right? But, but, but the writer of Hebrews, uh, right before he, he says that, prefaces it with the reality of, look, everyone, you know, who has a father, if you don't have a father, that means you're not getting any discipline, uh, you know, because a father is meant to discipline their children. But the father disciplines the children to produce a harvest of righteousness. And so it is with God. And we've got to feel in our hearts this idea that, you know what, I, I've got a judge that I'm going to stand before. And, and he's an impartial judge. Now, that's, that's an important thing, because if, if we think that the nature of the relationship between the Father and us uh, gives us a free reign to do whatever, well, oh, that's dangerous thought, right? That's me uh, in year seven uh, and eight having my mom as my math teacher. Right. And you guys probably have figured out by now. I hate maths. I don't like math. Uh, It's, you know, my worst subject. Well, one of the reasons it's my worst subject is because I had my mom uh, as my math teacher in year seven and I learned absolutely nothing because she was not impartial at all. She was heavily partial, heavily biased. I mean, I really, I know nothing about math. Even now, Ali asks me questions on math uh, for her homework As you know, we attempt to homeschool her and I don't know the answer right? You can ask Maddie. I got on, I get on Mathletics one time, right? The the little math program, right? And, and I got absolutely crushed by this primary school kid in Mongolia on basic math questions, right? Uh, Because I learned nothing in math growing up because I had a partial teacher, right? And I used that partiality to my own favor by doing nothing, learning nothing, mucking around uh, and not getting in trouble. That's bad. That's a bad thing. That produces a child that learns nothing and doesn't grow and doesn't mature and never understands basic arithmetic, right? Uh, But but here Peter says, look, you have an impartial judge. Yes, you have an inroad. Yes, he is your father. And so, yes, you don't need to be afraid of being destroyed by that judge because he's your father and he loves you and he cares about you and he wants to see you grow and flourish and reach your fullest potential. But you do need to understand there's a judge, right? And so Peter is balancing these two concepts that we need to hold in our heart. That we are obedient children. We need to be obedient children. We need to understand that we are in God's house. We are meant to live radically different than the world. But we don't need to be controlled by a fear that produces destruction. It needs to be more that reverent, that that, uh, that that fear of awe uh, as we respect our father, knowing there's accountability, but knowing that accountability is all about Helping us to grow. Third and lastly, right? So we got to have our heart, our heads in the right place. We got to gird up those loins. Uh, we we got to be sober in our thinking. Uh, we got to have the right heart, understanding there's a judge and that judge is impartial. But praise God, that judge is our Father. Uh, and third and last, we got to have the right stomach. We got to have the right hunger, right? And there's old fat, fat baby Jake, uh, right? He was very, very chunky. Uh, you know, and that's that's our last, uh, you know, the last part of our text, right? Um, this great, this great great section here, uh, starting in verse 22 of chapter 1, all the way down through chapter 2, verse 1 and uh, 2, Peter writes, he says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so do you have sincere love for each other? Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. A phenomenal passage where, where Peter, you know, is laying out. Look, everything, that, everything in our Christian life, it, it begins with God's word. And, and as we cling to God's word, we, we continue to be changed, right? Uh, Jeho went, went from no faith in God in, in January when he arrived here in, in uh, Australia uh, to, you know, as you can, I don't remember if it's in the video or not from yesterday. Uh, but, but every Bible study, we would ask Jiho, Hey, where's your faith? What percentage is your faith is at? Uh, and Jiho was notorious for giving like, you know, 52%, 63%, very precise. Uh, but yesterday as, 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 as you know, he was getting baptized, we, we joked and asked him again and he said, hundred percent, hundred percent faith. How did he go from, uh, zero to a hundred? The, the word of God. It, it is, uh, as Peter says, an imperishable seed. It is It is so small, but if you take it in, it takes root, and it grows, and it flourishes, and it begins to produce fruit. And one of the obvious fruits uh, that, that he talks about here is that of love for one another. All right. That, that, that as that grows, and as we mature, and as we purify ourselves, uh, you know, so, so, you know, and that purification then enables us to have a sincere love for others, right? Because the world can love, but it's selfish love, but, but, but as Christians, we're meant to have a sincere love, a, a true love, a real love, a genuine love. And that's not a selfish love. That's a selfless love. That's a love that doesn't just think about, Hey, what's my needs? but you know, what are other people's needs? Not just, Hey, what's convenient for me or Hey, well, you know, rather what's good for others. Right? And it's only by that purification process that happens by the Word of God that we can actually begin to have that kind of love. And, and I encourage you to think about that aspect of holiness. We're at a time where, man, relationships are strained. Are you demonstrating a different kind of love? Or are you just sitting at home giving no thought to anyone else? Our love for one another, our love for the other people, you know, the, the 60, you know, I don't know, there's two people per screen, 120 people that are here on our Zoom service are, are we thinking about one another? Are we reaching out to one another, being considered to one another, having that sincere love? That, that, that fruit comes from the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. That seed is amazing. We are grass. <laughs> We're grass. Like, we're like the flowers, man. We may look good for a second, but we wither and we fail. But not that seed. That seed will endure forever. God's word will endure forever. (laughs) So many things in this life waste away and disappear, but not God's word. So many things in life come and go. Change and, you know, chop and change as as, as times and circumstances come, but not God's word. It is the only thing in this life that is stable. Chapter 2, verse 2, as Peter, you know, urges us, like newborn babies, crave that spiritual milk so that you can grow. How's your hunger for the Word of God? I mean, think about a baby. You know, I remember Jake as, as a baby, uh, you know, and, and even now. I mean, we were putting together slides this morning, uh, and Jake, what does he want? He wants milk, right? He wants milk. He is a thirsty, thirsty baby, right? Back in the day and even now, and Michelle says, I'm the same, you know, still thirsty baby, right? But, man, we... You think about a baby's thirst. It, a baby doesn't have to be told to feed. A baby doesn't have to be reminded to drink. It is base, fundamental desire. A couple hours without milk, it's got have it. and that's a challenging concept to think. Man, am it, I it like that with God's word? If I have a couple hours not not reading God's word. It, If I have a day where I'm not saturating my my heart, my mind in God's word, do I have that base stomach level hunger and thirst for the word of God? Peter says, you got to have that. If you want to be holy, if you want to be different, if you want to be transformed rather than being formed and and, and molded by the world, if you want to be transformed from the inside, the key variable is the word of God. And, and, you know, Psalm 119, a phenomenal passage on, on the word of God you know, it appeals to us. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I mean, the psalmist in so many different places, even Proverbs of wisdom, you know, they talk about, you know, that, that man, the, the, the word of God is the most precious thing in the world. It is the most valuable commodity to pursue. It's, it's greater than the precious jewels like diamonds and rubies. Come on, the word of God is incredible. Is that our attitude? towards God's word is that your attitude many of us that have found because commuting is cut out that you have tremendously more time day in and day out may that be that with that time you're filling your your stomach your heart your mind with so much more of God's word and we gotta pray man you know God help me help me to hunger for it Help me to be like that newborn baby. You know, you know, the women had a great baby shower yesterday for B, And in a little while, you know, another month, two months, B is going to realize this very, very uh, real principle. That newborn babies crave milk. And and when we get back together and we're at church and we're trying to have church and B's baby or Anna's baby is screaming in the background because that baby's hungry. Right? Think about, man, do I scream like that for God's word? (laughs) Do I thirst for God's word like that? For those of you who have kids, man, think back to when your kids were, 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 were younger and they would wake you up in the middle of the night thirsty. And you think, man, is that me with God's word? Is that my attitude towards having a quiet time in the morning? right? Or is it like, oh, let me do it just to check the box in case someone asks me? That's not the newborn baby approach. If you want to be holy, if you want to be different, then you got to have God's word in your heart. Amen? All of our text here is about holiness, being set apart, being different. Not just a list of virtues, but who you are as a person, set apart for God. Like Michelle's vacuum is set apart for domestic indoor use only—not shed use, not garden use. Right? Set apart. That's how you are meant to be for God. Right? Now, that's a high calling. That's an upward calling. You got to get everything in your body uh, on board with that—from your mind to your heart to your stomach—all pursuing what God wants us to pursue. Amen. I'll turn it over here to uh, to Sam and Mia, who will. Uh, close us out uh, with a few thoughts.
1: Hey Amen. Thanks. Uh, Sam. that was awesome. I can uh, definitely relate to the point about the vacuum cleaner being holy. Um, our vacuum cleaner has the brush worn down from being used to vacuum the pavers and uh, the power button doesn't work anymore and I've been told that it must not be used for outside no matter what. So, uh I can relate to that. And can complainer is we don't have a Dyson, so it's even worse if you have a Dyson. Um, no, it was very good. Thanks so much for the lesson. Um, I thought it was a great reminder that we need to apply the Scriptures to our lives because so often I can read them and think about them but then forget which the most important step of actually having a practical application for uh, for my life for the day and you know, as you said, day in, day out, well, how does this apply to me and how should I be changing my life to um, to follow these words of God? Um, and, I and the, you know, the second point I love that, um, you know, God is an impartial judge. And I thought your illustration about uh, your mom being a um, a partial teacher was, you know, that's that's helped, to really helped me to see that, you know, it is really awesome that God is impartial. Um, and that you know he won't let us get away with being disobedient, or and he'll hold us accountable for the for the way we live. Um, and you know in in Psalms I've been meditating on Psalms 19, and it says the law of the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. Sorry, making wise is simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And no, it's just this uh, concept that God's law and God's word is—it's incredible. What we have is incredible. You know, it, it's perfect. It's uh, refreshing. Um, it's trustworthy. Makes us wise. All these things. And you know, your last point—you know, just about having a hunger for God's word. And you know, I just know from my uh, times reading the Bible that the more I read God's word, the more my hunger for God's word grows. And that you know, as We start as our minds start to understand who God is and how profound God's truth is. Um, it definitely creates within us a desire to want to know more of God. And, um, you know, I just uh, think encourage everyone at you know, at this time, like Sam said, to remember, um, to to read God's word and to let that uh, fill fill your heart and your mind so that so that we can be inspired to help others and know that, uh, for myself, without without God's Word in my life and in my heart, then my thoughts and my motivation to think of others and help of others is less. And at this time when we are isolated more than normal, then we're naturally, you know, we don't see someone in front of us and think, oh, I wonder how that person's going, out of, out of sight, out of mind, and lead to less action. So I think it's even more important really to meditate on God's Word and. And let God impact our hearts so that we can remember to help others and love others so, Amen, thanks for the sermon Mary's going to pray for us
2: uh, Thanks, thanks so much God um, just, yeah, that we can still meet together uh, like Jim said and, and you know, I love how the service is often um, connected in some way and I know the people who prepare lessons and communions don't often share notes but how you bring it all together and I love God, just um, yeah, just how Scott took us back to that empty way of life, you know, reminded us of of where how we were in living in ignorance, God, um, and how we were sort of you know tossed backwards and forwards by all those external influences, God, and and I just um, I thank you, Lord, that you did you did have a plan for our lives and you do you do want to set us apart, God, that you you want us to be holy like you are holy, God, like you know like the example of the vacuum cleaner. a specific purpose god to be useful to you lord i pray um yeah just like sam and my sam have said you know that that you help us to you know gird up the loins of our minds god that we can um be sober-minded god ready for action um that we can you know i know for me just god i really need your help god to harness those strong emotions that can so often determine the way i live god um but, you know, that, God, that you give us these emotions, that we can be powerful, God, and that, like, the, 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 um, the chariot, God, that we can um, have the two combined, the heart and the mind, God. and um, God, we thank you that you are an impartial judge, God, that you don't, um, and that you, I guess, God, that, that your judgment is one that brings about a harvest of righteousness in our lives, God. I'm so grateful for this, Lord. And, you know, I'm just so grateful, God, that, um, you know, we have your word to guide us. And it's so encouraging to see Gio, you know, get baptised at this mm-hmm. time, God, and that nothing can stop you, God. You you are unstoppable that, you know, coronavirus, God, you'll only use it um, to bring about good in our lives. And I just pray that, um, yeah, God, just that as we go about our day and the rest of our weeks, um, like, um, that we can just be really, yeah, I guess, rooted in your word, God, looking for opportunities Um, to share it with others, um, and we love you so much. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen.